You are listening to the IBS IBS podcast. This is Gaia Lamperti, and today we're joined by Louisa Murray, Chief Operating Officer, UK and Europe at Railsbank. Hello, Louisa. Hello. Thank you for inviting me here. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. As I said, I wish it was a little bit sunnier here, but yeah, nice day working at home, being in London all week. So it's, yeah, it's good to spend a little bit of time at home today. Yes, hard to believe it's almost summer in England. Yeah, <laughs> yeah slowly. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you, Lisa, again. And the topic of today will be the missed opportunities of the first wave of fintech, the so-called fintech 1.0, and what's coming up for the second phase, fintech 2.0. So before we get into the, the technicalities and the insights coming from Railsbank side, Lisa, why don't you? Tell us why those two waves have even been identified. What differentiated FinTech 1.0 to FinTech 2.0? What were the differences and when was the turning point? Oh, sure. Lots of lots of questions there. But but yeah, it's a very interesting one, actually, and one that I've been involved in for about the last five years. So previous to this, my career was in um, finance, more in trading. And then when I when I discovered FinTech about five or six years ago, it was really at the cusp of, of it branching into 1.0. And I think 1.0 is very much velvet revolution. It wasn't, oh, this is amazing. Here we go. This is going to be fantastic. It was all about showing the rest of the financial services industry how to put the customer first with you know, some innovative products and, and products that they actually needed where the legacy banks you know told you what you were having. But with the finance, uh, with the fintech industry, it was bringing some brilliant products that the customers actually wanted. I think, you know, legacy players were out of touch. Lots of new minds got involved with this and some gray hair as well in, in our case. But it was a, a real time of smelling some change in the air and, and grabbing chances. And I think now, you know, we're, we're almost speeding past FinTech 2.0. But now is the time that we're moving on to not just FinTechs doing this, but allowing other companies to, to do what the FinTechs do. So consumer brands and people like that can join our party. Absolutely. And we mentioned a few of the good things of the, the initial phase of fintech. So how it, first of all, instilled the trust in the financial institutions and yeah. uh, the use of technology, but also how it, it helped customers to educate themselves about digital financial services and how the banking experience could become much better and could be improved. Yeah. But what are some of the shortcomings of this first wave? What are some of the areas that were left untapped and you know that the potential has not been uh, leveraged enough yeah so I, th- I think it initially it's all been about the products and you know what the customer wants but not how you can embed them actually in the customers' lives, the customers' experiences. So more about products you know which the customers absolutely want and appreciate but less about how you can put them into a customer journey, how you can almost make them appear or disappear almost so that the customer just does these things naturally. Yeah, I do see what you mean. Neobanks, for example, the way they've changed and developed over the years from what they used to be at the very beginning, it's 
you know, impressive. I don't know if you maybe want to highlight a few examples or a few case studies of some fintechs or financial institutions and how they've changed. Maybe even Railsbank could be a good example of what is different when you deliver an experience to the customers. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and some good examples. Are, oh, I've got lots of different lovely uh, customer examples, but one, but one that always springs to mind is, is one of our customers, Plum. So when they started, they came to us as a scale-up couldn't couldn't scale with who the you know the, the provider at the time and they came to us with a very you know kind of simple idea in those days which was look into your accounts you use ai to see you know how much spare money you've got every week um, and how you can save that and, and and put it in a pot and that can save over time and then you can either take it out or spend it or put it into an investment or something like that and that was a, a very simple idea at the time but but they've moved on from that. I mean, they still absolutely do that. They can still, you know, advise you how you can spend the, the spare cash that you've got in your bank account. But also now they've moved on to allowing you to save money on something very relevant at the moment. So, you know, household bills and things like that. Or once you've saved up enough, you can put some money in ISAs. Oh. And obviously something very relevant at the moment, you can put your money into a digital currency as well. So it's it's all about having those kind of building blocks at the beginning, providing great products, but then making the experience even better as the company grows. So we've got lots of different examples of that. And then you can, you know, also bring that into kind of the brands, what they're doing at the moment. You know, it's you know, it's great that they've got product, stores are open more, but to be able to get the buy now, pay later or different, more flexible ways to, to finance your purchase, you know, at, 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 when you go to pay for it, that's the experience part. And, and it's almost, you don't need to think about it. Ah, oh, I'm going to do it on this card. Oh, ah, oh, I'm going to do it, you know, or a different way of, of financing it. But it's it's having the flexibility and having the choice. Absolutely. And obviously, as you rightly mentioned, the, the customer is pivotal to this process, is at the center of this innovation and, and the tailoring and the uh, new services that every platform adds on. So how would the process of better understanding customer needs and desires and expectations look like? And how did it inform fintechs to improve their services and to meet those needs and those expectations? Yeah, so you have to have to stay very, very close to the customers very close and, and and the beauty of providing those products by seeing the data on how the customers so that, and seeing the data of not only what customers maybe do within your environment um, but also you know using an open banking to see what customers are doing outside so by seeing that listening to it and working on new rewards or, or new products that's what the fintechs or, or the brands have to do by getting a financial footprint it really does give you a huge insight into to what your customers are doing great so we've mentioned financial services we mentioned the emerging fintechs the customers but in the fintech 2.0 wave and increasingly in the future of fintech there's another player is essential which are the consumer brands yeah. consumer brands are increasingly understanding the extent of this opportunity and they are establishing themselves in this landscape could you maybe expand on this especially Actually, tapping into Railsbank work and how it engages a lot with consumer brands. So basically, you know, the nutshell of this is that embedded finance allows these companies to do companies to do that, and so it's it's a really really important connection. So it's it's 
finance is a really emotive connection between the brand and its customers. And and I think up till now, you know, there's certain certain things that you know maybe retailers could do. But now we're opening it up to literally any type of company, any type of brand. And that brand could be, you know, a sports brand, a sports team. It could be sportswear or it could be, you know, education, um, you know, university or, you know, going back to some of the retailers. So it, it really is an exciting time. Um, and by using someone like Rouse Bank, they basically get access to, to the technology to um, allow them to embed literally any type of financial product into their customer journey, but also the regulatory coverage as well to be able to do this. So I'm not saying it's literally in a box, but you can provide them with all the components for them to be able to work this into their customer journey. And and I think what we've found is lots of these these type of brands are all on a digitalization journey. Some farther ahead than others, but they all see the benefit of that financial footprint. So what what do their fans or you know what do what do their customers who you know are loyal already but what are they doing elsewhere in their lives? You know what do they do when they're uh, on the way to you know get into a football game? Um, you know they've got a good idea of what they do when they're at the game, not necessarily who they are when they're at the game. Uh, but what do they like doing after? Where do they go? Have they got children that want to buy kit? And, you know, the, the younger generation coming through as well. So there's lots of different facets to this. But by using embedded finance, it gives them a real holistic picture of what their what their fans and, and customers are doing. Great. And so basically, this takes us back to the keyword experience. So this is what we were talking about before, right? Yeah, absolutely. And by by offering that experience, they can you know evolve it as well. So if they know what the what the fans or the or the or the consumers want, they can evolve that experience. So better rewards, maybe very uh, specific rewards for specific types of, of cohorts. So you know the real the mega fan, you know, give them give them something special. They you know they feel part of the tribe and you know they'll extol the virtues of being a you know a fan and or a customer of this particular brand. So it's it's really is evolving and providing even more of a, an amazing experience for their customers brilliant absolutely this is shaping the way the market the embedded finance market is developing and innovation within this market so maybe what are some of the trends this brand-led experience for the customers has initiated within this vertical yeah so we are as i said we're we're speaking to many types of brands but you know specifically amongst the sports ones and you you may have seen the um, announcement that we've got two kind of sports experts on board with us as a so we you know we're using brains and contacts of these guys to to really get under the bonnet of this. And trend wise, I think what we've what we've found is the the clubs and sports brands they've got lots of different things going on. They've got kits, got merchandise going on. They've got rights. They've got amazing sponsorship deals. And I think they don't see all the data. From all those different parts. So something we've found is that the, the, the real need um, and the appetite to bring all of it together, to be able to see what's going on um, and you know, pull the strings all together. And you know, to some extent, it saves costs, but to other extent, it is the data 
from all of that that is the really valuable thing. And it's not just valuable for the consumer. So they're not, they're not just looking at that, but it's also valuable for them when they go to other sponsors and they can, you know, actually they can say what's been going on, what their customers are actually doing. Yes, it, yes, it would be worth sponsoring them because this is what they would get from it. So it's real ROI. On, on sponsorship and deals like that. So interesting. It really sounds like a win-win situation, both for the customers. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And to conclude, Luisa, at the very beginning, we were just saying how the market is evolving so quickly. And you, you said that the term FinTech 2.0 is almost outdated already. Um, so approaching probably the 3.0 era of FinTech, how is in particular this segment, the embedded finance or even open finance because increasingly we're, we're talking about open finance going to evolve what can we expect next uh, how are the trends you just described going to shape the future of fintech i think you know just playing on what, what i've already said literally anyone will be able to provide any type of financial product the ones they want obviously but they will be able to provide the, the financial product they want embedded into their customer journey um you know it's that we've done lots of surveys and you know we've we've, we've stood up and said it a few, a few times now over the, the last few years that anyone can do this and it's you know well known from surveys and and stuff that we've we've been talking about for the last year or so is that with the younger generation they really do feel more of an affinity to brands, you know, the Amazons, et cetera. So they feel comfortable buying financial products and things like that from them. So the legacy banks, you know, will still be there. And, you know, for the, the bigger maybe loans and, and, and safeguarding of the funds and everything. But the younger generation and, and even more so my generation feel comfortable doing it with literally any type of company and and the easier it is to do these type of products whether that's at a football game or whether it's in store by you know some of these shops whereby you don't actually have to pay uh, until you leave etc if it's easy people will do it and I, and I think that's more and more uh, what the next stage will be about absolute frictionless and um, experiences where the consumer does not really realize their experience in it. This is so true. When an experience is easy, smooth, you just instantly trust the brand and trust the process because everything... Yeah. Go, goes well with no extra effort or concerns. Exactly. Thank you so much, Luisa. This was really That's insightful. Right. Thank you once again for joining us today. That's all right. Thank you.